I think it's really fascinating how oftentimes just the person that is delivering the piece of art can make you reconsider its meaning and context. Okay. You know? Uh, example. Okay, I was thinking earlier on this week about how different we would have received Mambo Number no. 5 uh-huh. had that chorus been sung by famed ghoul and necrophile Ed Gein. Let me just put this okay. on you, just to see if you can get the effect. All right. So just imagine Ed Gein instead saying, A little bit of Monica in my life. <laughs> A little bit of Erica by my side. Oh, no. A little bit of Rita's all I need. Oh, no. Oh, a little bit of Tina's all I see. Oh, a little bit of Sandra in the sun. Oh, is it what? A, a okay. little bit of Mary all night long. Oh, God. A little bit of Jessica. Here I am. Uh-huh. A little bit of you makes me your man. Oh. <laughs> wow. It changes things, doesn't it? That yeah. is less upbeat for <laughs> sure. Definitely less fun, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. No, yeah, that it changes, changes the things. context for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Dad and Lovelies, to the newest installment of Dad and Lovely, the ultimate podcast. It is known here with the host with the most. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. And on today's episode, we're going to be breaking out the cutlery and slicing apart Pasicho Dose. Yep. From 1983. That is, I have uh, several knives here. Um, yeah, and I, I've I've taken the film. I, I got a hold of the film, taking the film, and I'm just sli- I'm slicing pieces off uh, that I'm then I guess gonna stare at with a light. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Then tell you what happened. <laughs> is it just me, or did this movie also make you want to chop lettuce? Because it looked yeah. really fun the way he was doing it. Yes, it like, did. Like, it was just coming off of those perfect shreds. I think it's because, like, here lately, for some reason on my Instagram feed, it's been like, maybe you'd like those videos of people, like, slicing through bars of soap, and it, like, breaks apart all cool. Uh-huh. And it is kind of neat. Yeah. And then I saw, you know, Anthony Perkins just chopping up that lettuce in this, and I was like, this is satisfying. Yeah, it's like visual ASMR, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Anytime you see that, like it'll happen in commercials sometimes where they'll like chop something just so perfectly or whatever. And it's like, damn, that looks good. It just looks fun. (laughs) Yeah. It just looks fun to do, man. Uh It just looks fun to do. If you want to get straight on to the movie review and skip the parts where we talk about chopping lettuce, there's a timestamp for you in the uh, podcast description there. But you don't want to miss hanging out with the boys. Because we got 30 minutes more lettuce talk. Let's get into it. (laughs) Number one favorite kind of lettuce. What do you know about (laughs) romaine? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. It's rad, dude. Yeah, it's the best. Shame about all the salmonella involved with it. Oh, man. I don't think a, a butter lettuce has ever really hurt anybody. I don't think. Oh, let's hope not. I mean, I can't imagine eating butter, lettuce, and getting something from it. Like, you you both had a bland experience, and you got a disease. 
<laughs> That's too bad. That sounds not fun to me. I'd take it over iceberg any day of yeah. the week, though. Oh, yeah. What are you doing? Just eating crunchy water? That's Give me a break. Water. I'd rather just eat yeah. some. I'd rather just eat some shaved ice instead. That never gives nobody salmonella. No, I have eaten an entire plate of of shredded lettuce. I think on a dare. And I uh, dare you to be a bunny. Was the dare? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, it it wasn't filling at all. Like I doubt it. It was so much to eat, and it was like anytime I see people being like, you know, uh, five dollars of vegetables will fill you up more than five dollars of meat. It's like, man, come on, let's be serious here. It's be not real like they here. go into you whole. You're chewing them up, and you chewing them up is making them into just macerated nothingness. Once it gets mm. down there, it is not filling. And most of what's there is just water anyway. Yeah. Come on, give us a break, vegetable eaters. These damn veggie eaters. I mean, they're... Now people are going to be saying that this podcast has been bought by Big Meat. <laughs> big Meat just a, did just a tool of send big me meat. some pictures. Um, and boy, I think we have the wrong Big Meat funding us. It's a different Big Meat? It is okay, a big... Yeah. I mean, listen... Uh, if you're looking for big penises, you go to Big Meat for sure. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they paid us to say that, but uh, they did. Yeah, I, I was wanting that Big Meat money, not Big Meat money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's totally different. <laughs> totally, it's what's, it's, they, it's more money. You know the beef people. You know what? Maybe dudes with big dicks got a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> big dicks and a lot of money here at Big Meat. Okay. <laughs> It's a successful formula. I can't argue with the results that they're no, getting, man. You cannot. <laughs> can't argue with it, man. Can't argue with it. How you been this week, man? Oh man, it's been hectic, but um, good. I mean, you know, uh, just a lot of stuff. We've been rearranging our entire entire uh, living space, and it has been a lot. Just a lot. Yeah. We've been throwing stuff away that is decades old. Like stuff that, you know, you accumulate over time and you put it in a box and you don't ever think about it. And then when you go into the box, you're like, oh, yeah, those are my high school uh, English notes. Haven't missed those. Haven't missed those at all. (laughs) Probably just go ahead and throw that away. Uh, So we've done that (laughs) with, I would say, hundreds and hundreds of pounds of shit. So wow, yeah, we're getting to the point where it's like, oh, we actually have like room to breathe here now instead of just boxes in every room. The stacks, the dreaded stacks of stuff. Yeah, huh? yeah, it's the worst. But I mean, now it's way better. Okay, good man. Yeah, I've I've got some of that to do myself. We still got stuff in storage from when we sold our house and. Jeez, dude, like it's just such a huge project, but I know it'll be so much better once we do it, you know. But I can't wait just to like lose some shit yeah it has felt very liberating honestly like just going through all of my books and being like you know what i probably probably don't need all of these 17th century novels like did you get rid of all your garfield compendiums too <laughs> of course of course not you know i love garfield you my gotta hang on to those. garfield um <laughs> but no just like going through uh just the tons of books I had from grad school that I had kept because, you know, it was like, well, th- these are the things I know and learned. Like, it's it's almost like a trophy, but it's like, 
I'm, you never open that book again. I'm not going to read Samuel Richardson's Clarissa again. It's just not Come on, happen. why not? I'll tell you, man, when it comes to the books and stuff, like I do 90% of my reading now on a Kindle. Yeah, yeah, I do and yeah, dude, yeah, or audiobooks, either one. It's like I'm becoming such a a lover of digital storage. You know, right. like I, I love having the physical thing. I even love just how a shelf full of books looks. But it's yeah, like it's great. I'm not really buying a lot of physical books anymore. I would rather just download it onto the Kindle. Yeah. And I have it right there and it doesn't take up any more space. Like that's something that moving out of a house that was too big for two people into a apartment that's too small for two people uh-huh. has taught me is just like Man, stuff takes up space. Yes. What a concept. <laughs> and, and in case anybody Physical is media, worried dude. that like we're getting rid of all of our books, we still have six bookshelves of books. We, <laughs> well, yeah. We've gotten rid of so many books, and we still have six bookshelves of books. So You got to have somewhere to put your Bibles. You got to have somewhere to put your, your Garfields. Obviously, yeah, your uh-huh. Garfields. <laughs> if you don't hang those up to show to people... I mean, they won't know you've read them. <laughs> Obviously. You yeah, need it's to a talking advertise. point. In case they come uh-huh. in and they're like, will they get my Garfield references? <laughs> oh, they will. I see the books on the shelf. Good, good, good. <laughs> Mondays, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> We're all just like, this guy, he gets it. What's for dinner? Lasagna, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was oh, that your dog? I fucking hate it. <laughs> 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 that's when that's when your Garfield love goes too far, I guess. When you're telling that's people you hate their dog. <laughs> yeah, that's when it's not funny anymore. Everything up to that, that was great, but you lost him on the dog thing. Oh, you got a kitten? This motherfucker's going to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to go through and liberate myself from some of my belongings. I gotta just get free of my stuff, Steve. Yeah, it, it it's great, and I, I do recommend it. So that's yeah, that's what I've been up to, other than you know watching stuff and um, really just watching stuff. <laughs> Honestly, we watched a lot of shit this weekend. Yeah, like what? Uh, well, we had the screaming chat on Friday, which was the last drive-in. Uh, the first uh, episode of the Last Drive-In this season, which uh, they did the Night of the Living, original Night of the Living Dead, and Classic. a movie called Anthropophagus, which is like an Italian giallo by, oh fuck, Joe D'Amato. Okay, um, yeah. It's, boy. I mean, Night of the Living Dead still amazing. Anthropophagus sure. fucking... Uh, uh, is incredible is what you're saying. I was pretty drunk by that point, and the chat was randy, so we I, I didn't pay much attention, but it, it definitely got um, it, it, it had some some bits at the end that were really cool. It, it seemed to drag on to me, but it's also the last drive-in, so like an hour and a half movie is three hours because Joe Bob's gonna cut in and talk. So it probably felt like it was dragging because that's a lot of time to spend on a movie you're not liking. Well, especially, too, for, like, the first time that you're watching a movie and it's constantly being interrupted. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely got to mess with the pacing of the whole thing. For sure. But, yeah, I, I don't think I would have liked it anyway. It, it wasn't even, like, Word. House by the Cemetery so bad that it's fun. Cool, yeah. It's just kind of boring. But, yeah, uh, so that's what we did on Friday. And then the next day, uh, the Jack of All Graves watch-along was Jason X... And Jason 10. Yeah, old Jason 10, uh, which is still a fucking great time. Just so much fun. 
Um, and that everybody was so stoked from that that we were all just like, hey, you want to watch part six? The other greatest one, I think. Like, I, I think I don't think Jason choice. X is the greatest, but Jason J- Friday the 13th 6 is for sure. Um, Word. Okay. Fun night. Yeah. So we watched those uh, and that was that was a blast. Um, also on Sunday, we watched a movie called Split Second, which is... Kind of like a, a future dystopia alien ripoff. Um, now that got suggested over on the Facebook group yeah. because we did the Hitcher last week. Yeah. And somebody was like, oh my God, I can't believe you guys didn't talk about Rutger Hauer's other career defining role, which isn't Blade <laughs> which Runner. Isn't Blade Runner, <laughs> yeah. 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 I never saw it, but like judging by the box, I was like, this looks like some garbage it that I could watch. Garbage. I mean, watch it. The problem with it is like, because there are, there are definitely some elements to it that are like fun to watch because it's just so weird. And Rutger Hauer is being a, a complete weirdo. Like, but it apparently the original director dropped out like halfway through the movie or something. And you can tell that always bodes well. Yeah. yeah you can tell because the tone of the movie is completely different and some of the oh, characters good. change. Like. <laughs> His par- person has a robot hand now. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, his par- his partner goes from this guy who's just kind of like nerdy and quiet and British to this guy who's basically a a twelve year old who's having the time of his fucking life. And it's not like a character arc; <laughs> it's just a sudden change. Um, and, and I really wish, honestly, whoever directed those bits had directed the whole thing. That's kind of it when it's fun because somebody was treating it as not fun. It was too like. They're trying to be too serious about it. Um, but it, it, the, when you see the alien, it's like, oh, so, yeah, we've, we've all seen Alien, uh, obviously. As, as have you. <laughs> Fans, are we? Yeah. Got it, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't horrendous, I don't think. Maybe you'd enjoy it as, as just like a good, weird time. All right. Yeah. Maybe I'd do that. Also... Uh, watched a couple of other movies. I watched a movie called A Sea for Me. Sea for Me? Sea for what? Me. Uh, sea for Me. What is that? Corey talked about this on uh, Jack of All Graves. It uh, It's on Shudder, and I don't want to reveal too much. I'll just uh, I'll give the simplest premise. It, it is a uh, blind girl... Uh, cat sitting for someone and then the home gets invaded so it's a blind girl versus home invader which would automatically make you think oh it's hush uh yeah but no it's not hush but with a blind person it uh definitely goes different direction than you're gonna expect um is it kind of like dial in for murder kind of um i don't want to say too much about it all right all right all right is you know I will say that the the concept C for me is is an app that blind people can use in this universe where they can call and someone can look using their camera and tell them like you know what's ahead of them or whatever. So that's cool. That plays into the home invasion angle. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to because it it's got some uh, some turns you're not going to expect, and I think it's. I think it was a fun time, for sure. Hmm. Okay, is it new? Um, I think 
was a couple years old, but it's newer on Shutter. I had never heard of it before. Okay, yeah. right on, man. Sounds interesting. Uh, and I watched this um, maybe a few weeks ago and forgot to mention it, but you texted me and said you'd watched it. The Night House. Yeah, dude. I watched that the other night, and uh, I was just kind of like scrolling through, being like, man, what kind of horror movie should I watch? What have I not seen but doesn't seem like something I have to pay like ultra close attention to because I was I, I just got a new pedal and I was playing with it and stuff. Yeah, and I was like, this looks pretty fucking cool. It seems like this is a pretty simple plot that I can follow along while I'm doing some guitar playing, mm-hmm. dude. I thought it was pretty fucking cool. Me too. Yeah, I mean, it uh, you know it it is one of those sort of horror movies that is very clearly about like depression and and dealing with death and stuff like that but it's not like like that 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 is layered well with the supernatural elements and everything else that is really happening in the world um it's really cool man yeah it has rachel rebecca hall from uh you know all sorts of stuff uh great actress and the she's great the blonde chick from barry Damn it, I can't remember her name. But she's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, she's a friend in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot, man. Like, it, it had, and again, like, I don't think this is spoiling anything, because I think if you watch the trailer, you'll pick up on this. It had elements that kind of put me sort of in the same headspace as Hereditary, where this woman uh-huh. has lost her husband, and she's like, he had some secrets in his life. Right. And she kind of learned some things about him after he dies, and there's, like, weird shit going on. It's kind of like, well, that sort of sounds like Hereditary. Or the night house. It never gets nearly as like life drainingly heavy as Hereditary no, does. No. And it's nowhere near as good. I think it's kind of loose to even compare the two movies, honestly, but it had similar vibes at certain points to me, especially with all the grief and so on going on. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's that's accurate. It, and also like um, you know, it it just got some really cool visual stuff. Like Yeah, it did. Not just like uh the, the night house itself when you actually get into that element but like there's a lot of like negative space stuff where totally. it's like I loved that yeah you can see that it looks like somebody in the background and then you know something shifts and you can't see it anymore it's yeah uh, that was fun. that was so well yeah. done that was so well done man I liked it a lot I thought that it was a pretty fucking cool watch it snuck by me because I think it came out 2021 didn't it yeah, yeah, I remember um, um, people recommending it on on the Facebook and stuff, and uh, it had hit. I don't know what was it, Hulu or, or HBO Max or whatever, maybe a few months ago. And every time I'd scroll past it, I'd be like, "I need to watch that." Uh, but finally got yeah. to it. And yeah, well, I liked it. it. I liked it, man. That'd be fun to do an episode on sometime. Yeah. What else you've been watching? Man, we had our first like just sort of free day in I think about a month last Sunday. Oh, okay. <laughs> like the the weeks leading up to our trip to Mexico were super busy because we were just trying to get all of our work done in advance and stuff. Yeah. And then we went to Mexico, which of course is cool and relaxing, but we did have stuff that we were doing like every day while we were there. Yeah. So even that was a lot of go, go, go. And then we got home and it was immediately just like hit the ground running. We got all this stuff on the books. We got a lot of a lot of work to do and all this. So last Sunday was finally the first day where we were just like, oh my God, let's fucking get a bagel sandwich for brunch and just lay around and be lazy and watch stuff that we know. Yeah. So we watched uh, we watched 
and Batman again, <laughs> since it's on the okay. HBO now. You watched those Batman. Those Batman, uh-huh. they're called. Fucking cool, dude. Like, I was kind of wondering if I was in a honeymoon phase with that movie, you know, whenever I talked about it on the show, because right. I'd just seen it for the first time. No, nah, it's really fucking good. Cool. I like it a lot, yeah. man. I like that movie a whole lot. It. I think it's very fucking cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, so enjoyed that. And then we put on uh, just another one of the best movies to have on on a Sunday when you're just chilling, uh, which, is of course, is Team America World Police. Which is, <laughs> okay. Despite how recently you've seen it, it's still funnier than you're remembering. All right. Still funnier. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I it uh, That puke scene... I like. I laughed so hard at that. I because you just oh keep God. thinking it's gonna end, right? No, it's done now, right? No. Nope. Then the musical cues and everything. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. It's so fucking funny, man. So fucking funny still. So yeah, enjoyed that one. I think about the only other thing that we did this week is we went and seen that North Man, that oh, yeah. Northern Man. They just could have called it the Yankee, couldn't they? Have <laughs> North Man, the Yankee. Everybody's politically correct about Yankees these days. Oh North my man. God, man! They're all woke. They're calling him a North Man. Gotcha. Where I'm from, he's just a Yankee. <laughs> So how was it? Dude, it's fucking rad. It's the new movie by old Robert Eggers. Old, oh, Bobby Eggie, it me? Bobby Eggie, yeah. <laughs> it's old Bobby with the yokes, it me? Bobby with the uh, yokes. Who, of course, we love for his work with The Witch and The Lighthouse. Uh-huh. This one isn't nearly as much of a horror film. Right. It does have some like extremely brutal stuff and some very creepy weird primal shit going on in it uh-huh. but it is more of a viking epic i don't know what else to call okay. it it is a viking epic movie and it has okay i'll put it to you this way i think there's probably a lot of people out there that would be put off by how just fucking weird the movie is it's really really strange mm. and brings in all these elements of like nordic folklore and stuff that you haven't learned about from the mcu for example okay you know? yes uh and I think the story flows very much in the same way as like old Germanic folk tales and myths where it's not ultra, ultra, mega fast paced. And there are these weird twists and turns to them. If you've ever read any old Germanic shit, you know, it gets fucking weird. Yeah. And it has a really similar kind of feel to it. It is also just mind numbingly gorgeous. Oh, my awesome. God. Okay. I got to know how he filmed it because he's always like so OCD about what film stock he's using and all that jazz. Yeah. Some of the nighttime scenes in this in particular were just unbelievable. Like they almost looked, they didn't look black and white. They looked black and silver. Like it looked like a silver gelatin print, you know? Okay. And then it's like they'd go to an interior shot where there'd be fire and then suddenly it looks completely different. It's super warm and really slick looking. I don't know. Like, I want to know more about how they filmed this fucking thing. Yeah. Um, I also okay. want to know about what fucking uh, Skarsgård's damn diet and workout plan was in this. Oh, I, he is shredded as fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God, man. Yeah, I've seen the pictures, man. He looks amazing. Oh, my God, dude. It gets brutal. It gets so fucking brutal at times, man, um, as you'd expect. And just fucking weird. The cast is amazing. Again, visually, it's just unbelievable. That's yeah. one of those things where even if you don't like the movie, which I could understand uh, if you're not, you know, 
particularly into that style of, of storytelling and folk tales and everything. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no denying how fucking gorgeous this movie is, dude. Did you? Uh, we thought about doing an episode about it. Kate and I both saw it. Oh, we yeah. thought about doing an episode about it. And like, I had a couple people ask if we were going to do one. And I'm like, I, I'm so torn because I'm like, maybe I can just enjoy something and not turn it into content. Yeah. Every yeah. now and then. Just every now yeah. and then. Maybe I just watch something or write something or play something and it's just like this is just for me this is just you know? for fun though yeah uh yeah, you know did you ever okay see valhalla rising the nicholas reffin no. oh whoa huh. fucking uh mads mickelson viking movie very similar to what you're talking about um yeah yeah pretty sick i think you you'd probably enjoy it yep Valhalla rising now is that uh is that a prequel to jupiter ascending i hope it is <laughs> it is it is <laughs> I thought so. I, Nicholas Reffin is the guy who directed Drive. So if you like Drive. Oh, yeah. shit. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah okay. I, well, I got to watch that. You do. Yeah. It, it's um, it's great, though. Like, uh, I, I do like that that style of storytelling. The sort of Viking, Germanic type of tales that don't necessarily follow the way we would think of things. Um, mm-hmm. Or even, you know, a lot of old English, like Beowulf. You, you sit down and read, uh, you know, these stories about Beowulf and Grendel and, and Beowulf and the dragon or whatever. It's like you, you're you seeing the stories play out in a way that would have made sense to the people in that time. But now you're like, why are they saying that? Why are they talking about this? Why are they having this? Like, there, there's just so many different, different ways of telling stories throughout our history that... I think it's enjoyable sometimes to step out of the way that we are comfortable, uh, like sure. experiencing stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things that don't get me wrong. Like I'm not at all knocking, like let's say that the MCU, because I love those movies and I oh, enjoy yeah. them and I watch fucking all of them, but it's like everything doesn't have to flow. Like no. that. I feel like we're just very much getting in a rhythm where we're like, that's how a movie goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It does. It does feel like a rut at a certain point where it's just like uh you know you you can you can guess exactly how most everything is going to go even if they throw in slight twists here and there it's not really huge it it's yeah it's real nice to step out of that sometimes but also yeah as you said i do love those movies and i love tons of movies that just follow the same exact fucking predictable totally. pattern those are fun oh yeah definitely man i'll tell you what man before we get any further into this show, I've got a whistle. Oh, yeah. What needs some wetting. Oh, yeah. It needs yeah. to be just sopping wet moist <laughs> before I can continue. So, Think that's a good idea? You mean to talk dirty to it, or what? what's going on? Um, I'm just going to pour beer in my oh, face. Oh, okay. Well, that'll help. That'll help. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do some of that later, though. You All know? right. Just yeah, a little dirty talk to see here. if your whistle, whistle gets wet. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a Lessons in Solitude portrait number two from Burial. We've had this on the show before. This is an Imperial Stout with blood orange zest. Oh, yeah. Say coffee, cocoa nibs, Uh toasted oats, and banilla bean. I remember that. Oh, my. I remember it uh, being a little wary of it because of all those things you just listed. But it being. And the 15% of alcohol. Yeah. 15%. Yowza. Whole lot of booze in there, so I'll see you guys on the other side. 
I'll tell you what, though, man. I did have myself a pretty big old lunch today because it was so goddamn good. I made a, a killer patsy oo today oh, with okay. some uh, some guy lamb and some chicken in there. Okay. Woo, man. You ever make a patsy oo? No, I don't think so. Man, I've had it. It's so never, good. Yeah, it's no, so I've never made good. it. Mm-mm. You gots to have you some of that dark soy sauce. Yeah. Like, you really have to. Because, like, the past couple times that I've made it, I've just used what I had at the house, which is, like, I always use, like, low-sodium stuff because I think it just tastes better. And because uh, you got to watch sodiums, you know? Oh, Ben. You and know, your constant dieting. Me and that. Mm-hmm. Me and my sodiums. But I was doing the, uh, just, like, a low-sodium soy sauce and some oyster sauce. And it's like, yeah, it turns out good. But you really got a 50-50 your regular soy sauce, a dark soy sauce, mm-hmm. and some oyster sauce in there. That's how you get that nice, rich, deep color, almost yeah. like leathery color on the noodles. Yeah. And they get a little char on them because that dark soy's got some sugar and mm-hmm. some molasses in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, man. So good. You ever have Guy Lan? Do you like that that Chinese broccoli? Uh, I can't remember what Guy Lan is. What, what's going on with it? So it's not like regular broccoli. It's a leafy um, it's a leafy okay, scenario. Yeah, no, it's kind of like it. got thick stems. No. You'd probably really like it, man. I it's would, um, sure. Honestly, it's kind of misleading to call it broccoli. Uh, that's just what they usually call it, though, is Chinese broccoli. It's not really similar at all. Oh, okay. And a lot of times I see like uh, Thai restaurants kind of Americanize Patsy Yu by making it with regular broccoli because they probably got tired of people getting Guy Lan and being like, what are these leaves? <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought it said broccoli. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like a it's like a thick stalk. And then it's got, yeah, big leafy greens and buds at the end of it. But it's got a nice, like, slightly bitter taste, almost like, uh, what's that shit called? Broccoli Rob? Oh, okay, yes. Uh-huh. R-A-A-B. It's kind of like that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Really, really nice. You got to have that if you're making an Authentico. Yeah, this beer is fucking good, man. Awesome. It is a delight. Yeah, I remember really man. enjoying it. And also, that 15% go into my head. Catch up to you. <laughs> uh, I don't really get... I think we said this last time. I don't really get any of that that orange flavor yeah. in there at all. It just mainly tastes like a nice, rich, coffee y stout. A little sweet. A little bit on the sweet side. I'd be okay if it was a little drier. Mm. But man, it hides that booziness like a motherfucker. Wow. Um, yeah, consider I, my whistle moistened. I'm just over here again, sipping on a spicy water. Um, it's, it's got regular, uh, old spicy bubbles in it with, uh, CO2. Out. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. What's the recipe there? <laughs> uh, you take water and then you squirt CO2 into it in a pressurized container. Now wait, if I've got the carbon and the oxygen on hand, what's my ratio? Oh yeah, if you're you're just gonna breathe enough CO two into it, you think? Uh huh. That's the idea. I think it's mm-hmm. gonna take a while. It's gonna take okay. a little bit. Uh, I'll huff and puff. I try all day. Just go all day, <laughs> blow CO two into your water. See how it goes. What I usually do is I just get a glass of water with a straw in it. Uh huh. And then blow I have the my wife blow bubbles yeah. in it while I drink the water. Yeah. And you're like, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. (laughs) And then I go, look at how much money we're saving. (laughs) Look at us. (laughs) That's how you get rich, dude. That's how like fucking millionaires do it. You know, you watch the pennies and the Uh dollars will make themselves, you know? Yep. Yep. It's, I mean, you know, maybe you start with a small loan from your parents, maybe a small emerald mine. Who knows? Sure. But then after that, you pinch a penny. Pinch those pennies, yeah. man. Find you somebody who will stand by you, blow bubbles in your water while you drink it. <laughs> it's the yeah. same thing. I, I mean, that's the key to success. We figured it out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, that's a good what one. What other horror movie podcast is providing you with these obvious steps to success? None of them, as far as I know. I don't think any of them are willing to give away these billionaire secrets. Okay. Step one, be born rich. Step two, yeah. you're done. Find somebody to blow bubbles in yeah. your wife. Yeah, there you go. Step three, profit. Profit. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Figured it out. I'll tell you what, Steve. Tell me We're what. talking about old Pasicho Dose uh-huh. as the topic of today's show. And it got me thinking about... Mothers, tell your children not to walk this way. That's my Danzig impression. That was good? really good. Yeah, Ben yeah. Danzig, they call ben me. Danzig. Tell your children not to speak my word. It's not just like him. He he has just one big devil lock sticking straight up instead of in his yeah. face. Yeah. To- it's completely different. Uh-huh. Totally different. <laughs> Got me thinking about some mothers yeah. in the horror world, you know? I say, before we get to the movie review, let's just take a little detour over there, up the hill, mm-hmm. by that, that, that tarp Ooh, that or that there? swamp or whatever it is. Mm. Over here at the Preview Palace. Welcome to the Preview Palace. Ooh. I'll tell you what horror movies got in them. They've got moms in them. They do. I'll tell you what kind of moms they are most of the time ain't good. That's true. Very often the moms ain't good. And Mm -hmm. you know what? Some ain't gooder than others. That's true, man. I say we take a romp here through a list of historic, iconic horror moms. And we just try to find who's the most horrific mama of them all yeah what do you think i think that's a great idea also uh happy mother's day this sunday yeah that was totally an accident <laughs> it like, was. we literally did not plan that i had no concept that uh until like last night i was just like wait a second fuck it's mother's day we're talking about psycho we should also talk Look about other us. terrible mothers yeah <laughs> mother's day Talk about the bad ones. All right, let's kind of start off here with the one that everybody's probably thinking about. What do you know about a mom? She might be just stuffy and uptight. She don't want to go to camp and see people a fornicating mm-hmm. and a drugging. They don't yeah. want to see anybody doing a drug or snorting a weed right. and fornicating on the job and getting her son drowned, even though he's going to live in the lake and become a big man one day she's yep. not gonna stand for it miss Voorhees is not no she's not now here's the thing about miss Voorhees I think she's a good beginning mother to choose because she was traumatized so there's some like excuse as to why she's acting this way but she's taking out her trauma on people who are unrelated to Jason's death. So she's also terrible. That's true. I mean, you could be like, oh, she's avenging her son. What mother wouldn't do right. that for her child? But then you're like, well, but them old kids didn't have much to do yeah. with why he died. So, But also, I mean, she, in, in, in the, the history that we get, she seemed to have been a loving mother. So seems to be. Yeah. So she's not terrible. She's not very horrendous as a mother. She's just as a human being bad. I'll tell you what's real problematic about her. Nobody ever talks about this. She's been walking around her whole life with those toothpicks in her neck. Come on. 
They see, you can see it whenever she gets her head dang old chopped off. There's toothpicks in her neck. What kind of yes, you know you fucking uh, fit mother has toothpicks coming out her neck? That's a good point, dude. That's like that's weird. Point. That's fucking that's weird, weird. man. Uh huh. So she's where we're starting this list now. Let's pass the baton along here to maybe a mama. She's worried. Mm hmm. About some dirty pillows. <laughs> She's worried yeah. that they're all going to laugh at who? You. you. Her daughter, Meaning Carrie. Her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, they're all going to laugh at you. Oh. <laughs> Carrie's mom. How about her, man? She's, she. Okay. So Carrie's mom fucking sucks. Like. Another lady that doesn't like to party. Yeah. For sure. Hates partying. For sure. Uh, also seems to just generally hate her daughter. That's not good mm-hmm. mom behavior. I'll say that. No, she's a she's a pretty unfit mother, man. Yeah. Pretty unfit mother. In the book, boy, she's even worse. Holy moly! Yeah, I I think okay. So again, just looking for a sympathetic angle, she does seem to have been religiously indoctrinated, and she may have some mental illness. Uh, Certainly she does. Yeah, so there's there's clearly some issue there. But uh, as far as mothering goes, she does very terribly at it. She does not seem to like her daughter at all. So she is obviously worse than Mrs. Voorhees. I think so, because the thing is, is, you know, yeah, Miss Voorhees snapped after her kid died. Right. Uh, but old Carrie's mom here, she's making her, her daughter's life a living H-E double hockey sticks. And I'll tell you what, Steve, I just can't agree with her. No. Because you know what? I love dirty pillows. Oh. I'm a fan. Uh, my favorite type of pillow, for sure, dirty pillows. Who wants a clean pillow? Not me. <laughs> Get that motherfucking clean pillow out of here. Okay, so Carrie's mom is taking the yeah. baton right here, right? Yeah. So we're, All right, all right. She's, not, she's ahead. Who's going to come in and dethrone her? Okay, I don't know. Now, this might sound like a wild choice here, but let's say maybe the person who mothered the anti-Christo <gasps> Damien in An Omen. Yeah. Okay. Woo! And now we're not talking about his adoptive mother. We're talking about the jackal who birthed him. Exactly. Now, <laughs> what you got to know about that jackal is that that jackal was up all night. Sleep all day. And I'm a lumberjack, y'all, baby. (laughs) Remember that? Jackal, the band. Jackal, the band. Now I really want, like, a picture of Satan and Jackal together, just holding a baby. (laughs) You remember that song with the chainsaw in there? Yes, of course I do. (laughs) Do you know their bass players from Knoxville? No, I did not. He like lives here still, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's cool. Hey, shout Fucking out to a uh, bass player from Jackal if you're listening. Shout out Knoxville represent a six five. Uh huh. Uh yeah. Okay, yeah. So D- Damien's mama was a dang old Jackal. Yeah, that's something else. It is, and I mean, we do know that clearly this Jackal uh, is not going to raise Damien. Um, but that's pretty common in the animal kingdom for, you know, uh, an animal to kind of birth the baby and the baby kind of figure it out, you know? Um, it's true. It's a hard knock life. It is. And, and of course they don't adopt Damien until he's, you know, 
se- several years old. Is he like three or four or whatever? Or do they get him when he's yeah. a baby? I don't remember. No, because there's a sw- there's a switch up at the, oh, uh, at the right. hospital. Yes. Okay. So this. All right. So the jackal probably didn't even get a chance to mother this baby. You know what? I bet the jackal's out there looking for that baby right now. Could be. Could be. Well, no, it's in the grave in that one scene. Remember? Oh, right. You know what? I think you don't remember the omen very well. I Steve. don't remember the omen very well. No. Um, it's been revealed so on his own podcast. Um, <laughs> it has. Yeah, that was a that was a really but, really long time ago episode. So my yeah. So my point here would be: it seems like Damien's mother, the jackal, <laughs> had uh, probably nothing to do with Damien being taken, and and clearly probably was was just used by Satan. So, I, yeah. you know, I'm going to definitely say, for me, Carrie's mom is worse. Okay. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. About this jackal. Jack it Even up. if this jackal did give birth to this Antichrist. Uh-huh. If everything goes according to the plan, everything's supposed to be really chill on Earth for a while, right? Right. That sounds kind of nice. Yeah. Everything just being chill? I'm not sure that I'm that mad about it. You know what? Honestly, I'm just saying. I uh, I I don't know what I'd trade for just like four straight years of chill. Yeah, I know, right? I, <laughs> I might trade the entirety of the rest of my life for four straight years of chill, and then I'm out. Bye. I'm gonna start watching, you know, the the Knoxville Zoo here for like Jackal gives birth, and I'll be like, please, 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 please let please, it be please. a human, please. <laughs> I just need a fucking break. You know what? I'm just going to go to the zoo and start fucking jackals. How about that? <laughs> just make something happen. I don't know. Just make it happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to say Carrie's mom way worse yeah, way than worse. the jackal that birthed Damien. Okay. Now, what do you know about comparing Carrie's mom to maybe another mom? Whoo, man. That is just a real, you know what? I shudder to even use this term. Uh-oh. A real piece of work. Oh, shit. A real... You can't say that about a lady. I know. This this podcast is going to get that that little E, yep. that little expletive. The one we've had for every uh, episode. Marking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next to this, and just because I said that, mm-hmm. but I think it's worth it. When you're talking about a lady, what was secretly in a dang old cult uh-huh. and trying to bring about the birth of not even an antichrist, not even like shooting for the top rope right there, uh-huh. but going for a dang lesser demon, trying to bring about a paymon here on earth. Yeah, Woo, man, I'm talking about that old grandmaba from Herendentary. Yeah, and you already put it into some context I hadn't considered that she wasn't even going whole hog for saying no. just some lesser demon, and I know. she ruined the lives of her uh, daughter's entire family real bad there was some yeah. heads that even popped off as a result of that yeah that's pretty rough and there's also like some really gaslighty mental health stuff yeah that got for sure thrown in there too that's pretty fucking bad manipulative man and one could argue that even if carrie's mom had been nice to her the kids at school were bullying her like she yeah. still may like she she still would have been telekinetic and she still may have ended up in that situation no matter what. So that's true. 
Yeah, I, I mean, yes. I think I think the grandmother from uh, from Hereditary is worse. She destroyed the lives of an entire family. It's real, real bad. Yep. I mean, Carrie's mom just affected Carrie's life, but uh-huh. this grandmother in Hereditary affected a whole lot of people's yeah. lives. And then at the end of the day, we don't even get a couple years peace with the Antichrist. No, Come on, where's the tinkling, benefit? Just tinkles all over Ugh. the place. Jesus Christ, man, the end of that movie. I know. It's I so can't wild. think about it. Like, there's certain things in my thoughts that are just like banned. Uh-huh. <laughs> where I'm like, I can't think about the end of that movie. I can't think about the beach scene in Lake Mungo. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Just can't think about it. I just won't let myself do it. Ugh. What a fucking movie, though. Yeah. No, I... I that ending in Her- to Hereditary is just like... Because, yeah, the way it's just like so... It seems like everything... Uh, about the scene seems to indicate that something good has happened. <laughs> oh, and the but soundtrack too the is just like, thing. yay! It, it, it's Ugh. not good. <laughs> so yes. Oh my god. Yeah, I think yeah, I think she is worse than Carrie's mom. I think she's worse. I think she's worse, man. Now, what do you know about stacking her up against a Kiwi mom <laughs> who's just down there berating her boy, being all controlling on him and stuff, living up on top of a big old hill yeah. that is a town that has a kung fu priest that kicks ass for the Lord. <laughs> <It> does. Ah! <laughs> I'm talking about a dead alive. What do you know about that mother? Okay, so she is she is very domineering for very. sure. And does try to ruin his uh, attempt at a relationship. So it seems that he's never going to be able to escape her. And though she isn't to the same like Looney Tunes level as as Carrie's mom, that's kind of more insidious. Like, yeah, it's kind of like she she's able to also have the excuse of like, I don't, you know beat you or yell at you or whatever i just control mm-hmm. everything you do so I, I think she is worse than carrie's mom but it you know oh right though okay so how much blame can we put on her for the bat biting her okay that's a good question all right that's fair that's fair because then the result all hmm. those results are are very terrible but i i don't know that like like, of course, she shouldn't have been at the zoo trying to break up her son's relationship, but no one could expect, oh, I'll be bitten by a rat that turns me into a zombie. Like a, a bat rat <laughs> thing that turns me into a zombie. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I, she turns into a huge old monster at the end of the movie, too. Yeah, and a lot of people die because of it. Like, a whole lot of people. <laughs> There's so many zombies in the house. That's true. Now, you know... I don't know if she's exactly dealing out the emotional uh, and psychological trauma of the grandmother from Hereditary, right. but there is a high body count there attached is. to this lady. There is. So it's like, which is which is worse exactly? Mm. I think because the grandmother in Hereditary intended it, she intended for that to happen. Fair, fair. She's yeah. worse. Yeah. But yeah, she. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah the mom in, in Dead Alive is probably worse than the mom in Carrie in, in a lot of ways. I think so, but I think so far, hereditary mom is probably still in the lead. Don't you yeah. think? Yeah, yeah, she's she bad. All right, 
What about if you stack her up to a mama that's under the stairs? What do you know about that? <laughs> the people, From a under, people the under a stair. Yeah, that, that Ooh, man. Couple. Now, that's a that's a real uh, Ghislaine Maxwell situation. God damn it! Yes, it is. Holy Ugh. shit! <laughs> Fuck. Ugh. Uh, and and yes, and they've intentionally ruined a lot of lives because there are so many people down there in that basement. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I that's mean, pretty that, fucking bad. That is, and she's not even doing it for a demon at all. She's just doing it for her own kicks. And that's, yeah. I mean, and damn, that's that's fucked pretty up. fucking bad. Yeah, yeah, that's just like downright sadistic, crazy, fucked up shit. Yeah, because you're right. It's like, ultimately, at the end of the day, sure, hereditary grandma, she did a lot of bad stuff, yeah. but it was for a demon. Come on. Who wouldn't do, like, insane things for a demon? Like... For a demon? A demon, cool. guys. Come on. <laughs> Come on. But this is just for, like, I don't know, let's fuck some people up, I guess. Yeah. I'm a rich white lady. Blah. Yeah, it really is just that. Yes, a rich white that lady. That might be worse. Uh, they're yeah, they're they're absolute terrible people causing so much pain to people. Not just the people under the stairs, because they're also like uh, they own that that building or whatever. They're gonna kick people out. That that's like yeah. the beginning exposition. Like yeah, I think honestly, have we come down to uh, upper middle class white people are the worst? <laughs> Actually, the worst. I don't know. <laughs> Newsflash. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, might I actually, be the case. I do think she's worse than the grandmother in Hereditary because I think so. Yeah, it is all about her own personal pleasure from these things, and the body count is high. Yeah, that's a cool movie, man. It is great. I was really surprised when we did that on the show. I was like, damn, this is fucking great. Yeah, go back and check that episode out. That I remember we got real deep into that one. That's that's a good. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, that mom, I don't know about her, but this next mom that we're talking about, she's a mom that just loves to play some games, ready or not. What do you know about this mom? The uh, So, the mom of the family she's marrying into in Ready yep. or Not. Yeah. Yet again, this is <laughs> upper class white people and the results of the terrible shit they do. Yeah. Huh. Their body count's probably it's lower. It's pretty moronic. Though. Yeah, and it's it's like pretty moronic at the end of the day because it's ultimately just like, I don't know, maybe we have to fucking kill somebody that's in our own family or yeah. somebody that's entering our family. Like it's pretty self-destructive. It it, is. It's kind of it's kind of self-contained in a way cuz it's not just like, oh, truth or dare. I dare you to go fucking kill this guy that lives in the projects down the road. Right. Like But I don't know, maybe it does. Yeah, we don't know. maybe. I mean, definitely that there could have been other games that could be played. I know there. I think there's a sequel they're working on or whatever. Maybe, Ooh, yeah, really. Yeah, I think yeah there could have been other games played that might have led to something else. Um, possibly being just collateral damage of somebody outside of the family. And there's definitely mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. fact that they're so rich that. I guarantee they've done horrendous shit to get there. Like, well, yeah, probably <laughs> follow the money. There's usually something very awful at the end of the trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the the major difference is that the a lot of people in the Ready or Not family do have like conflicted feelings about it. Like, she's she's not getting like psychosexual pleasure from this happening even though she is like going to stare his mom yeah yeah she is going to do everything she can to uphold the the family's wealth 
she doesn't enjoy it, which, you know, it doesn't, it's not a huge distinction, but it's a distinction. (laughs) Well, and at least too, they, they have to do it in a way, right? Yeah. Otherwise they all explode. Yeah. Uh Yeah. (laughs) So there is at least a reason. I'm going to say that like people under the stairs, mom, like there's not a, if we don't do this, we're going to die reason there. No. They do seem to just genuinely take pleasure in it. So I think Mama Under the Stairs is still worse. Yeah, no, I agree with you. She is she is terrible. Right. What do you know about a mom that is a twisted mirror image counterpart to a good mom what wreaks havoc, wears a jumpsuit, and has a, a gravelly voice? <laughs> I'm talking about us mom. Us mom. Us mom. Yeah. Well, I mean, and her, obviously, all of the doppelgangers in us uh, are are seemingly the evil versions of the people up on, on the world. And uh, Yep. And our Lupita Nyong'o seems like a super great mom. She seems really, she really good. Um, but what we also have is that the people in the underworld don't kill each other. So, like, she is... Even though the stuff that they're going to perpetrate on the overworld is terrible, she is a good mom to her kids. <laughs> like she has trained That's true. them she takes to care be of them. psychopaths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's fed them on rabbits and all kinds of good yeah. healthy meals and stuff. Yeah. And you know, too, at the end of the day, even though they do have this plot for uh, countrywide, if not global, devastation, they are ultimately a product of a project that the government began and then abandoned and left them to fend for themselves. So it's like, at the end of the day, the government still started it. Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, uh, in X-Men, where it's like, you can never be fully against Magneto. Like, Mm -hmm. you just can't. Because while you, you might not agree on his methods, it's also clear that he is a victim. Like yeah, guy's been through the shit. Yeah, so the, these these people have been through the shit, and they are exacting revenge on the the terrible people. And yeah, as, as I said, she seems to have trained uh, the the son well. Um, like he seems to be pretty good and scary. And then like the daughter, like it, it it seems like she has done a good job for the mindset that they would have. So. She's actually a good mother, maybe. <laughs> I know, right? And like I said, at the end of the day, she was never given a shot at a normal life anyway. No, Society no. completely failed her to begin with. Right. So I can't be that mad that she nope. turned out makes sense. pretty fucked up, yeah, right? It does. It makes sense. I'm going to give her a free pass. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. You do whatever. You do you. Free pass. Us people. All right, so Mama Under the Stairs, still really bad. Yeah. But I'll tell you what's real, real bad, Steve. Tell me. You ever know about a dance mom? A mom that has a daughter dancer? What? A dance mom that has a daughter dancer. Are we talking about a black swan? We're talking about a black swan mom. Black swan mom. Black swan mom. What do you know about that mama in that old black swan boy, she sure does put some pressure yeah. on Natalia Portiman, doesn't she? Yeah, and and this is like I'm I'd say she's like a a carry mom in a lot of ways, but having that more insidious element of of 
play like she's playing her daughter all the time. Like she, everything mm, and she's, she's like living vicariously yes. through her daughter. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, you know, uh, the body count in Bla- Black Swan would only be her daughter. So, which is pretty bad. Which is fucking terrible, considering that she used her entire life to basically push her to be what she wanted to be. Like she was living vicariously through her daughter and pushed her into this position where she is uh, incapable of of uh, existing in reality. And we don't even know what's real and fake. Uh, in that end because everything is so twisted up. So the, her mother has basically made it impossible for her to know what's real. That's real mm-hmm. fucked up. <laughs> and it's not even just her daughter. It's Portman, motherfucker. That's true. Drink till she's sick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's not just a doter. All right? No. That's Natalie. That's a Natalie, yeah. That's um, a Natalie. So that's pretty bad. It's pretty. I mean, I don't know. I'm just like, which is worse, an upper class white lady that enslaves minorities and people <laughs> okay. that are well, you know pretty clear there. poor versus one mom <laughs> that ends up getting Natalie Portman killed. I mean, I I think it's pretty clear that yeah, that the people under the stairs mom is way worse. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll let you pick this one. All right, okay. Now let's move on here to like let's say final boss mom. No, now we've uh-oh. talked about we've talked about moms here that are cold blooded killers, cold blooded cult leaders, uh-huh. cold blooded jackals mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are warm blooded, <laughs> cold blooded uh, 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 Portman pushers. You know, <laughs> you damn Portman pusher. You dang old Portman pusher. Yep. That's an insult if I ever heard yep, one. Yeah, for sure. But what do you know about a mom in a movie? What's called Drowning Mona? What do you know about <laughs> Bette Midler? Bette butt-fucking Midler. Bette butt-fucking Midler. Mona Dearly is terrible, yeah. She not only makes the lives of her family a living hell, she makes the lives of everybody in the town a living the hell. The entire town. Yeah. That movie, if you've not seen it, by the way, so fucking is funny. a movie you should be watching as soon as you fucking yeah. can. so funny. Also forget, I also forget how, like, how late it came out. It came out in the year 2000. For yeah. some reason in my head, that's a 90s movie, but that's a 2000 movie. It's crazy. It's a millennium movie. Yeah, because it's got, like, you'll see, you know, Melissa McCarthy and, and uh, Will Ferrell are in it, like, uh, Danny DeVito, Bette Midler, Nev Campbell, like, just so many fucking Casey people. Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck, yeah, like, so many Tons fucking people. people in that movie. Um, God, it's funny as shit, and man. And she yeah. is just horrendous. Like, everything about her is so abrasive and irritating and shitty. Uh-huh. And I love the fact that it's Bette Midler. Like, yeah. Beloved, beloved you know, Bette singer Midler. and Broadway superstar <laughs> Bette Midler. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, I get to be a big piece of shit in this <laughs> yes. movie? Sign me up, fam. Yeah, like, she's just That was her up. attitude, I guess. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Like, she... she but, that's, I mean, the thing is, the entire town wants her dead. That's how bad she is. Like, everybody's I mean, a suspect bad. when she dies. <laughs> Yeah, because there's so many people that want her dead. Yeah. I mean, what's worse, dude? Like enslaving and killing a bunch of people okay. or being so awful that you turn an entire town into possible murderers? Okay, but... Yeah, That's bad. That is bad, but also... 
the 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 enslaving thing is insidious in that they put up a front like everybody on the outside world thinks that this is a normal person so she can hide all the horrendous things she's doing all those okay. people wanting to murder mona is like t- terrible because you're put, keeping people on edge you're making every uh, jamie lee curtis is in that movie with an insane mullet um Everybody, oh, yeah. <laughs> everybody in the town constantly being on edge and whatnot has to be terrible. But we also have the people, the tenants in their building, it, for the, the, the people under the stairs, the tenants in their building are living in constant fear. So I'm, I'm going to guess about the same amount of people want to kill them. Okay. So, you know, you might be onto something right there. You might be onto something. Are we landing on the of the people we named? The mom from the people under the stairs. Or Bette Midler. Or Bette Midler. (laughs) I think it's the mom from the people under the stairs. Worst mom in that list. We didn't uh, make an exhaustive list because, again, horror is full of terrible moms. It's true. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, I think think that's fair. There's some in there that are uh, less worse than others. But when it comes to real, real fucking bad... The mom from the people under the stairs sucks. Pretty goddamn bad at the end of the day. Pretty goddamn bad. But I want to know about your worst mom you've ever had in a movie. Yeah. Over on our Facebook page. Hang out with us. It's the uh, only reason to use that godforsaken fucking website. Uh, And I so enjoy seeing, dude, there's been so many new members in the past month or so. Yeah, we got like 80 something members in the past month. 10 million strong. And growing. (laughs) We're like a dang old Flintstones vitamin group is what we are. So hang out. Yeah. Join our ranks. Mm-hmm. Uh, share some funny stuff with us. People always be posting some silliness and funny yeah, shit on there. Great. So hang out with your boys over there on that Facebook group. And be sure to hang out now as we delve into Pasicho Dose from 19 and 83. Yep, that's right. Is this the first time you've seen this? In? Oh, no, no. This is not the first time I've seen it. I um, When we did the... We did Psycho. I um, rewatched them because I had seen them as a kid. I had seen two, three, and four. Um, I had actually probably seen two, three, and four more times than I had seen Psycho. <laughs> um, so uh, we talked about it back then, and uh, once I, once I sat down and started doing this, I was like, God, I want to watch three and four, and I did actually yeah. watch three, uh, and I'm probably going to watch four tonight. Um, but I, I, I just thought like as a kid that Anthony Perkins was so like scary as I know, as a cause it just seems like such a normal dude. Like this yeah. just seems like some guy that, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, awesome. I had seen these, uh, this is your first time seeing it though, right? This is my first time seeing it and I'm seeing it as a result of a dang old drawn out of that smoking bowl. Ain't yeah. I? Yeah. John Latour submitted this one. Uh, I think Johnny it's, Latour. Yeah, it's been in the 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 bowl before too. Other people have wanted us to talk about this. It's um, I think it's one of those overlooked sequels that um, you know th- this is twenty two years after the original, and that is a fair piece. Yeah, yeah, that is not that was not e- even remotely normal. Um, but it was kind of off the backs of the popularity of Halloween. That Universal thought, you know, 
because Robert Block, the original writer of Psycho, was releasing a, a Psycho 2 book. So they kind of wanted to get something going too to kind of like keep a, I don't know, a control over the property. Um, and, and Robert Block's Psycho 2 is is about like, it, it is kind of like a making fun of Hollywood like slashers. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is like in the heyday of of the slasher. Although weirdly, it's weird to think that by this time, Freddy Krueger wasn't a thing. Yeah, Freddy hadn't even shown up yet. He's still two years out. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is yeah, this is the heyday of like you know we we had seen, uh, the burning and maniac and and all that sort of stuff through eighty and and yeah block was kind of making fun of those it's it's basically an escape from the mental institution type of thing so again like halloween um yeah and it has a lot of twists and turns that um you know are, are clearly meant to make fun of the twists and turns of whodunits of the of the 70s and 80s so like he was he was really making fun of it, and Universal wanted to have some control over the property because Psycho, the movie, is treated with such reverence and with such seriousness. Sure. Legendary. Yeah. So they started to work on a made-for-TV movie, um, and that was the plan from the beginning. It was going to be made-for-TV because Anthony Perkins uh, hadn't signed on when they first were in pre-production. The original Norman Bates yeah. himself. Who yeah. at, at this point, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, he had just been kind of typecast as being like, oh, so you're a normal guy that's a crazy person in movies, huh? That's yeah. all you do? Cool. Yeah. He, and I get the impression he was kind of trying to escape that in his career. Yeah. And, and so the concept pitch to him of just doing a sequel, he was turned off by. But then... Uh, once they got a script from Tom Holland, uh, you know, uh, Fright Night, Child Spider Man, uh, yeah, <laughs> that Tom Holland, <laughs> he was not even a sperm yet, but they were still he was writing a script in his dad's balls. Yep. <laughs> but no, uh, Tom Holland, director of a uh, fight uh, or Fright Night, Child's Play, um, and Thinner. We've we've done so uh, much Fright stuff. Night and Child's Play, yeah. So go check those episodes out, but. Uh, uh, he he wrote this script uh, that kind of mi- humanized Norman, which Anthony Perkins liked. He liked that you know he was going to get to play a bit of a different character and explore the character of, of Norman better. And so that once Anthony Perkins signed on, that's when they were like, okay, no, we're we're putting this in the theaters because we're that that was like yeah. big like Anthony Perkins signing on was like you know all all in the trades and everybody was like oh what shit what is this going to be um yeah yeah and they you know universal seemed to try to do the best they can to bring back all of the elements of the original so they the they had the house exterior still on the back lot but the hotel or the motel had been torn down so they had to recreate that and then they used, uh, you know, the same uh, studios for shooting and used a lot of the same, like, uh, set decoration and stuff. So mm-hmm. they they really were seemingly dedicated to just, like, we don't want to piss off Psycho fans. But we yeah, also... at this point, that film was, like, legendary. Yeah. yeah but we also do want to squash Robert Block's book. So <laughs> they weren't going to stop being petty. Uh 
and 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 Robert Block's book actually didn't do great at, um, at that time. Um, hmm. But yeah, th- this uh, getting Anthony Perkins on before they got him on though they had considered a list of people, and one of the people considered that I kind of would have liked to have seen Christopher Walken. Dude, I read that, and I really would be interested to see yeah. that. Like, not that I think that. He would have done better no, than no Anthony way. Perkins or anything. No. I, I don't necessarily think that he, he could have captured that character the same way. No. And it would have been yeah, but it, it still would have been cool. Yeah. Like I would have liked <laughs> to have seen that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see, yeah. And uh dude, Tom Holland is one of those guys that I think is just notoriously unfairly underrated in the world of horror. Okay. I mean, when you've got guys like like let's say Toby Hooper, for example. Right. You know, that are just like lauded as one of the most important horror directors ever. And don't get me wrong, I mean, Texas Chainsaw is one of the greatest right. of all time. And his contributions to Poltergeist have been debated. And right. that's a great movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's like Tom Holland has brought us a lot of really fucking solid, influential movies. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people do not know his name. Like you say Tom Holland, and people are just like, oh, Spider Man. And that's right. all that they're thinking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think uh, he he definitely. I mean, you know, Fright Night and and Child's Play are iconic. Uh, and in writing the script for this, you know, this is an overlooked sequel currently, yeah. but it's it's not it's not because it's not good. <laughs> like that, it's definitely not the case that uh, people shouldn't be watching this sequel. I do recommend it, but it, it, he he's yeah, Tom Holland has definitely had. A huge impact on on eighties horror cinema. Yeah, and dude, this movie was way better than it had any business being. Right. Like, dude, whenever you know you said that we were doing this for the Patreon drawing, I was like, oh, like this seems like one of those movies that I don't know a lot of people that have seen. Right. It seems like Jaws two, where it's just uh-huh. like, yeah, they made it to cash in. Nobody really likes it. You don't know anybody that's seen it, but you know it exists. Uh huh. I wasn't really all that excited to check this one out, and I found myself getting really drawn into it yep. and being like, whoa, this is like way better than it needs to be. It kind of gave me the same vibe as like Dr. Sleep in a lot of ways, where right. you know it's following up one of the most important movies ever, Yeah, and it does a good job of paying homage to where it came from, but also not even trying to recreate the same story and kind of going in a little bit different direction with it. Yeah. Um, I kind of see it as a very similar feeling sequel to Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Personally, I can see, I can see what you're saying there. It, Cause it, uh, it takes it in a different direction, but it still seems to, uh, bring in all the elements that it needs to feel like a, a solid sequel to the original. Yeah, and it's really neat how it chose to go about this because the basic plot of the movie is that um, uh, Anthony Bates is freed from Norman mental Bates. institution. <laughs> Nor- sorry, what did I say? <laughs> Anthony Bates. Anthony? Who yeah. the fuck is that? It was Anthony Perkins yep, what I was saying. Yep. <laughs> Holy fuck. Norman Bates is freed from a mental institution, uh, declared that you know his crimes were a result of his insanity and his multiple right. personality disorder. He... Re-enter society, trying to rebuild a normal life. He makes some seeming friends that then you start trying to figure out, like, wait, are these his friends at all? Uh, are they gaslighting him into thinking that he's seeing his mother again, that mm-hmm. these killings are occurring again? 
it's really interesting that this movie takes Bates and makes him into kind of the hero of the movie. Kind when of. in the last yeah. movie, he was this sadistic, depraved, right. cross-dressing killer, which was ultra-shocking. Right. And then in this movie, it's just like, he's getting better. He had a mental illness. It, it really turns it into the fact that, you know, Norman Bates wasn't the villain. His mental illness was the villain right. of the first movie. And now he's free of that, and he's trying to get on. I think that this is really interesting, because this is an American movie in 1983. Like, this is... You know, still in the super killer heyday of America. Right. Where if you're watching this movie, you've probably lived through your Ed Geens and your Kempers and your Bundys. Like, you've lived through seeing these depraved, psychopathic murderers. Right. And then in this movie, it's just kind of like, maybe they can get better. Right. And, and, <laughs> That's yes. such a crazy choice for 83. Well, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it would probably be influenced some there by uh, Reagan's defunding of, of mental institutions and mental health care. And that didn't like go that. well. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, it, it does. It, our antagonist does not believe he can be reformed. So the movie is setting up that... He probably could have been reformed were it not for all these events. So the yeah. movie, the movie's outlook seems to be there. You can be reformed, and and you know, mental illness can be the reason why somebody uh, did things, and and they can then be helped psychiatrically and perhaps enter the regular world. But will other people allow them? Like, well, other people allow that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you have all these you know, seemingly normal people that are hanging on to their vengeance, their rage against an intangible thing. Because ultimately, um, you know, like at the very first of the movie where, where she's like, oh, I've got this petition that's been signed by all these people that he needs to be kept in jail. I'm so mad because he murdered my sister, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, she's mad at this intangible thing, which is to say his mental illness. Yeah. She and is. ultimately, it is her unending rage that ends up just reawakening this monster that had hope for recovery. Yeah, it does. It does end up that, like, she she is so willing, uh, you know, this is, we. I mean, we should mention, I, I meant to mention this earlier, this is Vera Miles who played Lila Crane. In, yeah. in the first one, and is now Lila Loomis, because she married the character Sam Loomis. Uh, the the guy who played Sam Loomis, I uh, can't remember his name right now, but uh, he, uh, John Gavin. John Gavin couldn't come back because he had been appointed U.S. Ambassador to Mexico by Ronald Reagan. So, that's why he was <laughs> okay. killed off in the script. Um, well, all right. But yeah, this is Lila Loomis, who, um, you know, helped stop Norman in the first one. So they've kind of flipped this. She is now the antagonist. He's the protagonist and we are rooting for him. Like you keep seeing him getting pushed by people and it'll show him like, look at a weapon nearby or something or consider grabbing the, the poison, you know, but he doesn't do it. And it's like, good Norman, you know, we're all supporting you and we want Norman, uh, to, you know, be innocent. But you're not yeah, sure. Yeah. You're not sure the whole yeah. time. Is he innocent? 
I like that because even my own bias against his character came into play as soon as I started the movie. And yeah, yeah. he's being, you know, released from this mental asylum. Like I'm sitting here watching this being like, Oh my God, man, he probably got off on some technicality. They're letting a killer back. He's going to just get out and murder everybody. Right. Like even me watching this, I'm trying to predict how this is going to go. And I'm like my own bias against this fictional character and his mental illness is coming into play. Like I am basically Lila being like, you're going to let him out. He's going to kill again. And it's going to be on your hands. Right. I like too, though, that it shows that, you know, Norman wants to do better for himself and he is still struggling with these things. It's not like, you know, just instantly he's released from prison and he's better now. No. And he's a totally normal guy. Like, he still is wrestling. He is still second-guessing reality the entire time. Yeah. And, and um, he's having to stay in the home where it all happened. Like, so that, that is That seems like tough. a bad idea. Yeah. Like, he, <laughs> he, he, expla- he, he says to Meg Tilly, our other... Uh, seeming pre- protagonist who is also antagonist. Um, May Mary is you know he confides in her that like he's scared to stay in the house by himself. He's never he hasn't slept there since and and all that stuff. So like he's not only you know dealing with his mental illness, he's dealing with the trauma of his past and stuff. And yeah, you do you do like suspect that he must be doing the killings, but then things happen where it's like. Well, that couldn't have been him. Like the uh, that when she like sees somebody's eye through the the little peephole thing, and yeah. she screams, he comes running up the stairs. It wasn't him. Like there's so many like indications. Like oh, it's not Norman, and you start to feel like, well, I feel real bad for him. Like what the fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah. Because ultimately in the movie, and this is for better or worse, uh, it seems like nobody's more scared of. Norman Bates than Norman Bates himself. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, this town, man. And, and again, you could totally. He, yeah. Yeah. And, and stupid and oblivious. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. Of his crimes. Like, I would think in a town like this, this guy that dressed up like his dead mummified mother and owned a motel where he fucking murdered people. <laughs> I would think that this is the kind of guy that would be pretty well living in infamy. Like, I, d- yeah. I don't imagine Jeffrey Dahmer getting out of prison and then getting a job at a diner and everybody's like oh hey how you doing grab an apron get to work like i don't really see that happening well, or like for example mr fucking nypd blue guy Dennis hey, was he yeah. nypd blue yeah that, yeah is that what show he's he, on well he was also on hill street blues so yeah ah, a lot of blue blues stuff and NYPD okay. blues and something else with a blue in it i think anyway but that guy just like openly and aggressively like taunting him and mocking him and really trying to get him riled up when like he knows he's murdered a bunch of people, right? Yeah. Like there's a certain level of like Ghostbusters 2 obliviousness to this town that you kind of have to go with to make well, this movie work. I mean, think about it though. It's been 20 years. Like so many of the people who would remember it were either children or elderly at the time so they've died like yeah it's been so long that people are probably detached from the real events in a lot of ways but also you talking about how he's kind of accepted at the diner pretty quickly aside from that one waitress who just seems to be kind of you know grumpy with everybody um yeah that is actually a good indication because like 
we find out that the one lady who works there, uh, Miss Miss Spool, is uh, his mother, or at least she claims to be his mother. Uh, and she's yeah, nice. Way to late in the movie. Yeah, she's nice to him for that reason, and she has convinced this uh, the owner to take him on. So the owner's being nice because he respects Miss Spool. And then Mary is being nice because she's trying to manipulate him along with her mother. So yeah, let's talk about Mary here. Yeah, because this this is one of the parts of the movie where I was I was trying to unravel this thing as I was watching it because it's very much a who done it. Yeah, I think you kind of expect a who done it based on the first movie where you're like, oh, the killer's not who you thought it was, therefore it is a who done it kind of movie. Yeah, I was trying to figure out this character of Mary because I was like, okay, she's this young, attractive person. That is just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's your first night out of the mental institution? Sure, I'll go sleep in your house tonight. Right. I'm like, damn, this girl is fucking stupid. <laughs> or I was like, man, this is like... And again, I, I was thinking, like, is this a ripped from the headlines kind of scenario where right. this is like one of those girls that proposed to Bundy while he was you know, yes. in prison? Exactly, like, yeah. Is she a true crime podcast person before there was true crime podcasts? Well, I, like, think, I think that... I mean, there were... Serial like the women who wrote serial killers in the eighties. I think that there is some of that. They're playing with some of that where the audience would be thinking like, "Oh, is she trying to like, you know, get him back into killing so they can be killy lovers or whatever?" I think that that's that where I thought the movie was going. Yeah. I was like, "She's in on this, and she's like a sociopath right. and okay with the stuff that he's done." Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it's a total like, yeah, I'm trying to marry a serial killer kind of thing. Right. And then that gets kind of subverted by how, like, the first night that she stays there, she does put the door or the uh, chair under the doorknob. The chair under there. And yeah. she does yeah, seem. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, okay, she does know. Right. And she does seem scared of him at times, but also knowing what we know later that she's working with her mom and she knows everything about Norman, when she hands him that knife, like that, like that seems exactly like a moment where if she were the like serial killer, like in love with a serial killer type, that is her trying to push him into killing. Uh, yeah. So like, they, yeah, they, I, I like how they do. They build layers of doubt and like suspicion and stuff. So there is a whole lot of like throughout the movie trying to figure out like who's doing what. But then I think what most people kind of get upset about with this movie is the final reveal because you couldn't have possibly guessed it. Like, it's just impossible. No, I mean, it's up there with, yeah, like uh, uh, the first Friday the 13th where it's just like, how could you have known? Right, yeah. And, of course, Friday the 13th had come out before this, so it it definitely would have informed kind of what they were doing. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and, and that feeling that, like, I mean, I'm not a whodunit person. I don't love a whodunit movie normally, but I think this one does a good job of building all the layers. And I wasn't even that upset at the end when, you know, it's somebody you couldn't have possibly guessed because the whole movie up to that point had been really good and tense and stuff and didn't seem to rely on who the killer was so much as just feeling that constant dread and tension in all the scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned that scene where she locks the door with the the chair under the doorknob there because that's something that kind of stuck out to me today as I was thinking through the movie. I was like, whenever I watched it the first time, I was like, okay, she put that there because she knows his past and she's scared of him. Right. But then 
I thought about it more and I was like, oh no, that's because she thought she had possibly already provoked him enough to become right. a killer again. She doesn't want to get herself killed. She realizes she's like both the bait and the person that's going to throw the red flag yeah. at that point. I am trying to provoke him enough to where he will kill again and I'll be there to rat him out to avenge my my aunt that he killed years ago. Yeah. Um, it kind of made me go back and question a lot of the stuff that she had done, like every little nicety she had shown to him right. at that point in the movie. I really wish overall that before we did this podcast that I would have had the chance to watch this again. I just watched it for the first time last night. Right. And I wish I could watch it again through the lens of knowing that, like, okay, you know, this bitch and her mom have this plan the whole time to push him over the edge by constantly gaslighting him and doing these crazy phone calls and making it look like he's killed again, making him think that he's blacking out and doing these killings and stuff. Right. Uh, I wish I could have watched this again. How is it on the rewatch? Can you see through their plot? Can can you see the logic in what they're doing? Yes. Um, I mean, it says la- it says later that like when she's talking to her mom or whatever, she's like a, a psych major or whatever, and you can see that she is always kind of de-escalating him and manipulating him with everything she's doing, even though she's doing it very convincingly, as though it's genuine. She's mm-hmm. she's very much using and twisting his psychology a good bit because, of course, you know, her, her mom is doing a lot of gaslighting and she is supposed to be there to kind of, I guess, put him on the track of, of you're a killer type of thing. And she does yeah. a real good job of just digging into that. But then she takes a turn pretty, maybe about 40 minutes into the movie where she, because she's been charmed by him and does feel concern for him and that's when you know she like has this argument with her mom at the the hotel about like what they're doing and stuff and i like how that shot too because it's shot from the hotel like the the person at the desks kind of perspective yeah yeah and and somebody is vacuuming nearby so he just hears shouting voices but you can't hear everything they're saying I like cool. that. That was interesting. Um, I like how casually it drops too that they're mother and daughter. Yeah, very quickly. It's just like, wait, what? Out of they're nowhere, related? like, oh shit, what? Yeah, that happens a couple times. Yeah, it's like not this huge dramatic lead up where it's just like I've been with Bates, right? Mother, right? Bum, bum, bum. Nope. Like it's just really casually dropped. Like Kate and I both looked at each other. We we're like, wait, what the fuck? Uh-huh. It has those moments, those just like quick what the fuck moments that work really well for me, I think. And I think maybe like because they had done several of those moments, I was less, you know, upset by the fact that I couldn't have guessed it was Miss Spool. And on second rewatch, yeah. I paid like close attention to every time Miss Spool is, is on screen. And it's not a lot. Um she uh, clearly she shows like um she shows a lack of fear for like of Norman immediately and she she's she's very much like nice to him instantly but there's just there's just no indication at any point to me that would would give anyone in the audience the the thought maybe it's that lady he works with at the diner <laughs> like right yeah there's really no way to know yeah there's just no way to know 
Yeah. The the real focus of the movie is the relationship between Norman and, and Mary. Yeah. And I love too how like what eventually makes Mary kind of come around to him is understanding that like he was put in this situation that he ended up in and his mental illness uh, because of this crazy overbearing crazy uh, mother that yeah, he had. Norma bait. And then she's also just like, I ended up in this situation because my mom is also crazy. Right. And hell-bent on revenge. Like, I think they feel a certain uh, kinship there because they're both dealing with the effects of having this overbearing mother looming over them and dictating the way their lives go. Yeah, and by and by the end, like, she is really, really trying to repair the damage she's done, but she also sees the damage she's done, so she's scared... And yeah. she's having to defend herself while still trying to talk him down. It's that is that is it's an interesting like character arc for Mary. Uh, and yeah. then to and be ultimately it's too late. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the thing about it, too, is like at the end of the day, you know, even though she's second guessing what she and her mom have been doing to to Bates, it's too late. Like they've yeah. already like awoken the beast and she ends up getting fucking killed by the cops at the end of the movie. Yeah. I didn't really see that coming. That's very sudden. Well, they I think they set up pretty well that the cops aren't great <laughs> at being cops. <laughs> um and so yeah, the when the it was surprising though. Yeah, the cops showing up and shooting her, but it is I it it makes sense for their characters that they would show up be like, "Oh, she's got a knife." Bam bam bam. She did it all. Like, they do yeah. zero investigating. Um, but, I, yeah, I, there's, yeah, there that, that that surprise at the end. Like, because th- the lead up there, like, you know, she she's trying to convince Norman, like, my mother and I have been doing this. Uh, there's no one on the phone, she thinks, because he picks up the phone and starts talking to his mother, in quotes, who is... Miss Spool, and then when uh, Mary picks up the phone, Miss Spool just doesn't talk. Uh, mm-hmm. So Mary's convinced there's no one on the other end, and this is like just this building, building of tension. And then he sees her dressed as his mother, starts calling her mother, etc. And she's defending herself, and that's the point where she stabs him in both palms in a very like overt, like Christ metaphor type of thing. I know that that kind of struck me too. I was like, "What are they going for here with like giving him damn stigmata wounds?" Well, I think what they're trying to maybe get at is that he he is this martyr of this system at this point. Like he he has been mistreated from the beginning. Um, yeah, he he was never never given much of a, a chance. Um, w- there's some information you find out in part three, which is is a good movie. Um, it, that that basically Miss Spool herself suffered from mental illness, so this is probably inherited as well. Um, but also that Miss Spool was gosh, three's got some twisted revelations that Miss Spool was Norma Bates's sister actually, uh, and that she isn't actually Norman's mom. Not entirely important, okay. right? <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, there's just so much against him the entire time. And for him to have like done his time and, and obviously done the work because his doctor, Robert Loja, um, is, is seems pretty confident in Norman getting back into regular life. 
and he's worked with yeah. him. So Norman has done all this work, and now the 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 revenge and the vengeance and the desire for for uh, I guess uh, eye for an eye type of justice is is now his to bear, and he he mm-hmm. basically is is Christ like in that way that he is he is being sacrificed for some greater good. They think, though, in hmm. reality. If they hadn't fucked with him, he probably wouldn't have done anything. Probably not, yeah. right? Damn, man. Do you think that there's a lot of Giallo influence? I mean, given yes. this came out mm-hmm. in 83, we'd already had a handful of pretty noteworthy Giallo yeah. flicks come uh-huh. out at this point. Like, I was getting some pretty strong Argento vibes yeah. at several points through this movie. I mean, obviously, anytime you have a, a shadowy... Uh, you know, veiled figure doing the murders, and you're like, "Who the fuck is that?" Yeah, it's got that gets very giallo, giallo-y. but yeah, yeah. But even like some of the kills in this, I thought were very, yeah. very influenced by that style of film. Man, that that one kill, I think it's Lila that gets like the knife through the fucking mouth yeah. at the back out of the, the back head. of the head. Yes, woo! That I mean that that is straight up an Argento kill. I yeah. can't remember which movie it's from, but I've seen that in another movie, and I don't know which was first. And honestly, you know, throwing in weird Christ imagery is a pretty jalo thing to do. <laughs> that too, and pretty brunette ladies. And, oh also yeah, pretty brunette ladies. Thing to Tilly, do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> checking no. a lot of boxes right here. Checking a whole lot of boxes. Yeah, I think that that knife through the mouth kill. Like up to that point, I had already been thinking this is obviously. Obviously, they had been watching some Argento and, and some other sure. uh, Giallo stuff. But yeah, once it a knife through the mouth, through the back of the head, it was like, what? Jesus, this is Giallo. Like, this For is, sure, right? They're taking a lot from that. Well, and also, too, that dude, I think it's the, I think it's the doctor, yeah, that... That gets like stabbed and then falls down the stairs and then like falls perfectly on the knife. It's like a fucking Mortal Kombat finisher. Yes, I loved that. Man. Holy That's shit, so man! That is over the top. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> For sure. I and I, and that was like there. There's so much like homage back to the original, but it's not like so overt that you ever go like, oh, they're just trying to coast on Psycho. It has... It is and it isn't. Okay, so, like, I I took issue with the intro of the movie. Oh, yeah. It's just like, let's show the most iconic scene in black and white of the first movie. I was like, we really don't need this. Like, I know that this is the sequel to Psycho. We don't, but I I do think there's some valid reasons to have done that in the 80s, especially 83. Most people don't own... A VCR. A lot of them That's may fair. have never even gotten the chance to see the original Psycho, and now they're you know sitting for Psycho too. But it is that is fair. Yeah, it is as um, you know, but it's it's not super long. It does show the most iconic scene for sure, the shower scene. But it it, it doesn't because you know like um, the Friday the Thirteenth movies will do that, and like a, a lot of other eighties horror movies would do the like previously on type of thing at the sure, beginning. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think You're just saying that's a very of that time choice. It is. It's a very of that time choice and maybe just a quick reminder to people because, you know, they may have not seen Psycho since nineteen sixty. Just a reminder, hey, this is how gorgeous that movie looked. Um, right. But it but also that's also the problem too though, is like you're showing 
one of the greatest yeah. and most noteworthy kills in film history at the start of the movie. And then it kind of makes you judge the rest of the movie compared to that. Yeah. It's kind of like when you go to a great restaurant and like the appetizer is like the most bomb ass thing that you get. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yep. You know? Yeah. I think you're, yeah, you're right that because the kills in this probably in 83 would have looked fine and, in sort of, you know, uh, on a VHS or whatever. Uh, but in high definition, you you can very clearly see all the makeup appliances and stuff. And oh yeah, yeah, it it doesn't look amazing. But they also they shoot it pretty good. They may have showed Dennis Franz's face too long before that that slice across the face because oh yeah, it, yeah, it looked greenish. Like it was just like, is he already dead? <laughs> yeah, he did look kind of zombie like right. when the slashes appeared, didn't he? Yeah. Still pretty cool. Uh, still though. cool. Still better yeah. than CG, fuck. For sure. Absolutely would prefer it over CG. So it, it definitely, like, uh, it, it looked fine enough. But it, yes, in comparison to, you know, uh, Hitchcock knew to not show stuff. Like, he may he may have, if he had made a horror movie in the 80s, he may have shown a little bit more. But I guarantee he still would have done the masterful job of we see the knife going down. We don't have to see it going in. We see the blood splatter mm-hmm. on the tub. We don't need to see the knife. wound. like those, those fill in the blank moments, but this is the eighties. Mm-hmm. People want, they want to see it. So that's the interesting thing about this is like, even though this was the eighties and this was very much paying homage to the original in a lot of ways, I also see this movie as reaching into the future uh-huh. In many ways. So people were so blown away with Scream because it's just like, oh my God, I saw Scream. There wasn't one killer. There was two. Right. This movie has like four fucking murderers in the movie. There's like <laughs> technically, Norman. Technically, yeah. Yeah. Norman, Lila, Mary, uh, Miss Spool. Like, <laughs> well, okay. Hold on. Okay. So Miss Spool kill, kills all the people. Um, Mary and her mom don't actually kill anybody, but they Wait, are. Are you sure they don't? Yeah, they don't kill anybody. They do dress up like the mom, but neither of them ever kills anyone. Uh, see, this is why I wanted to rewatch the movie because, yeah. like, just like Scream, where I wanted to rewatch it and be like, who "Okay, him? now who was doing which yeah. kill?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to watch this again and be like, "Okay, so who is actually doing the murdering?" So you're saying that. Lila and Mary don't kill anybody in this. Well, Mary does end up killing the doctor on accident, but sure, yeah, yeah none yeah, of yeah. the murders that were supposedly setting up Norman were done by the mom or or the the daughter. So then, yes, okay. Mary does kill the doctor, and Norman kills uh, Miss Spool. But Miss Spool killed everybody else, uh, and then the the cops kill um, Mary. Right. So Miss the. That is a lot of murderers. Yes, <laughs> a whole lot of murderers. A whole lot of murderers. Movie. That is a lot. The majority of the main characters are murderers, right? <laughs> and also, like to have throughout the movie, the first time you're watching, the only person you really suspect is Norman. Like you're not really thinking like that that it's somebody else until you finally get like you know an, enough of a a moment where like something happens and then it shows that he wasn't there. And then you're like, Oh, well it couldn't have been him then. Like, I know, but you're still second guessing. You're still second guessing. Yeah. 
Yeah, because like this movie is ultimately over his shoulder, and you're like, this is an unreliable right. narrative because Norman is a crazy person. In my head, I'm watching this being like, okay, but did he really fall asleep in that attic that he was locked into, even though the door wasn't locked while that right. person was being killed? Like, I'm questioning the reality of what I'm seeing the same way that he is. Mm-hmm. I think that that was really effective, just placing him as the. I don't know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, maybe he's likable, maybe he's still a lunatic right. main character of this movie because I was doubting his reality too. I was doubting if what I was seeing in the movie was what was really happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like, it it does a good job of playing on the way that people watch whodunits and slashers and, and playing on like what your expectations are for a psycho sequel. Because Norman Bates is the one you're going to suspect instantly, like, sure, yeah, and, and and by having you know three intentional murderers and then the cops thinking they're saving someone, um, th- having all that, it's still at the end. Like you're like, wait, so who did what? Like I had to look up, like, okay, who killed who? Because I was still yeah. thinking it's possible, and some people do think. It is possible that Lila killed the kid in the basement. That yeah. it, it was Lila because, like, you know, I, I think it seems set up that Lila or Mary is dressed as the mom somewhere in the house a little bit before that. So it's possible that maybe Lila killed that, that kid to, you know, save herself from... Uh, uh, them finding out that it was her I, or something like that. But everybody mostly seems to agree that Miss Spool is the one doing those killings. And that still sits weird with me because she's just a little old lady. And I she know she is an old lady. Yeah. Yeah. I know little old ladies can kill for sure. Um, Let's see X, for example. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it, it does seem like. Uh, even getting the the you know drop on Dennis Franz and cutting him across the face he's much bigger than her like yeah <laughs> but he's also much drunker than her he is much drunker than her true uh and, and that kid in the basement he he also probably could have uh, at least kicked her or something like i so it's hard he for was me. high on a weed dude that's true he's been he, doing grass dude we got to talk about that cuz seriously think about in the 80s the lengths that kids would go to to have sex. Can you imagine what that basement smells like? Dude, everything about that scene was like Gross. grossing us the fuck out. Where it's just like, okay, we're going to bust into this fruit cellar, mm-hmm. unroll this like bedroll thing that on this dirty floor. As fuck. Uh-huh. Ooh. And then he, like, he smokes that joint a little bit and then sets it on the ground. <laughs> So that he could finish smoking it later with all that fucking uh, uh, cellar dust Ugh, on it. That is so fucking gross. gross. After he bangs on this dirty mattress in a basement, Ugh. Ugh. all of that is fucking not gross, interested. No, just gross. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's there's also some things that that happen that seem supernatural. To a degree, like mm-hmm. how? Because that that uh, the girlfriend escapes, 
while the boyfriend's getting killed and she goes and tells the police and then they show up and then the whole basement is clean. Yeah. Like how? And, and how? if it was Miss Spool that did it specifically, how would she have done that? How would yeah, she? that quickly, yeah. that efficiently. Yeah. So And, and then also know. too, like, you know, uh, Mary doesn't even question it. Like, she's not like, I don't know how the fuck this got cleaned up. Like, the whole thing is just really like, it's like you said, it's like, how exactly did this work out timeline right. wise? So, yeah, I would accept that the the theory that uh, it's possible Lila and, and Mary were responsible for, the, you know, the killing of that boy and then the cleaning up of the basement. Because it seems like two people would be able to do that much easier than a frail old woman. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing about this that I do think is really interesting is even though the movie went through such great lengths to pay homage to the original, as you were saying, it also was just like, you know what? Fuck the score. Let's get our boy Jerry Goldsmith in here, <laughs> fucking home run hitter, one of the most underrated yeah. composers in history. For sure. To lay down a fucking great soundtrack to this that is not used. Yeah. <laughs> Never goes into Bernard Herman. It. It, he does Ever. his own thing. That yeah, that's amazing, and it's. Great. I'm forced to respect it. Yeah, like it's the kind of thing where I'm like, would the original score have fit great in here? Of course, yeah. it's incredible. I mean, it's an amazing yeah. fucking score for that thing, um, and not just the main theme that you're thinking of, no, but like also the. Whole the thing. The yeah, the other parts of the score that are so fucking good and iconic. It's like, would they have fit in here? Yeah, it would have been great. Also, did Jerry Goldsmith do a fucking great job? Yep. Yeah, sure. He's did. Jerry fucking Goldsmith. Sure he's did. amazing. Yep. Uh, also, uh, cinematographer on this, Dean Cundy, who uh, big name, big name. He's he's Carpenter's cinematographer, cinematographer yep. for Jurassic Park, uh, all sorts of other stuff like. It, kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal, yeah. And it is an extremely well like shot movie. It it maybe looks, looks good. Looks good. You you're never really like confused by your POV or anything. It 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 really does like because you know you're talking about a Hitchcock movie. You're talking about having to do cinematography on a sequel to a Hitchcock movie. That's got to be intimidating as hell. Oh my god! Yeah, that's got to be an impossibly hard task. Yeah. Man. And it def I would say definitely it, it it's not it's not Hitchcock it is him like he also did yeah. not try to duplicate Hitchcock he's doing which again is like Doctor Sleep like in that way yeah like, like Doctor mm-hmm. Sleep does not look like Kubrick exactly. it never really yeah. tries to and right. that was probably smart the right <laughs> <Yeah>. move. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, because if you're just trying to ape Hitchcock, then you're just going to be compared every step along the way. Of right. Like he tried to do the thing like Hitchcock would do, but it wasn't as good. Yeah. Uh, by sidestepping that entirely, that's probably the right choice. Yeah, I think so. And and it still looks great. And um, I I you know I I think it as an '80s slasher doesn't fall into. Um, too much POV type of stuff, but it, it uses mm-hmm. that in an interesting way. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's very like, it, it yeah, it's very much like they respected the original, but they knew that if they tried too hard to do Hitchcock, they would just come off as trying too hard to do Hitchcock. And oh yeah, people are gonna see through it right away, right? 
So just don't even try. Yeah, just don't even. I'm glad that they did that. I'm sure that there's probably a lot of asses in seats in 1983 that were just like, oh, they didn't do the Hitchcock thing. I'm sure there were people that were disappointed. Sure. But I'm glad that they they didn't do that personally. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, make, it, make it your own thing. I mean, this is the first time, as far as I, I can tell, that uh, a movie had a sequel 22 years after it was made. So... Uh, it, it it is you're entering into new territory. You don't know it's gonna succeed. You're not. It, I mean, it's even you know even if we talk about say the Halloween 2018, uh, despite the fact it is a sequel to the original, there were a ton of sequels in between. There were all sorts of attempts in between at how can we make an effective sequel to the yeah. original. Uh, so uh, this one comes in and kind of nails something really interesting and creative that doesn't try to be exactly like the original. I know, including making, you know, the main killer of the first movie, the main character and not the killer. Right. Like I think that, that in itself is again, probably a move that pissed a lot of people off back then. There's probably a lot of people that, you know, bought tickets because they want to see, uh, Anthony Perkins put on a dress and do some stabbing. Right. And then they're like, he didn't put on a dress to do any stabbing in the movie. <laughs> Damn it. He was just Damn extremely it. human and put on an amazing performance. Uh, yeah, he was sympathetic and likable. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are disappointed about that, but fuck, man, that's such a cool angle to take. Like, That's the only way you could do a sequel to a movie as legendary as yeah. Psycho is to be like, well... Let's just go completely the other direction yeah. with it. Uh, and he is very human. The The toasted cheese sandwiches um, scene, I think, is super... Oh, like, Just... And that could have been so bad. Oh, absolutely could have been terrible. But Anthony Perkins is amazing. Like, uh, he, he really brings a great, like, performance And that overall. was his idea, too. Like, he, he suggested to the director that there be a scene where him and Mary are, you know, bonding over his traumatic past. Right. Uh, you know, in order to kind of like reinstate that bond in between those two characters, like that was his idea entirely. Like he was very connected to this character yes. of Norman Bates, which is interesting too because they had apparently a really bad time on set with each other. Um, yeah, Tilly that played Mary there and uh, Anthony Perkins apparently oh. did not get along very oh, okay. well. Tell me about it. Yeah, so the deal is is that what's her name? It's Meg Tilly, right? Uh yeah. Uh-huh. Which I didn't realize was Jennifer Tilly's sister yep. until I was re- reading trivia for this movie. I was like, "Oh shit." And now I completely see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's clear, yeah. Apparently going into this um Meg Tilly led a very sheltered life uh-huh. and she wasn't did not to watch, watch a TV lot of and stuff, yeah. Yeah, she didn't watch a lot of TV or movies or anything and she had never watched the original Psycho whenever this movie was being filmed. Oh, She'd never okay. seen it. And she was apparently very vocal about like, I don't really get why Anthony Perkins is getting all this attention for being in this movie and not me. What? Apparently she was, yeah, apparently she was kind of uptight about it uh, just because she had never seen the original or had any idea of how huh. important it was. Which to me, I'm like, how did you not go back and rewatch this fucking movie before you yeah, were in it? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, uh, just have your agent ask Universal to set up a, a screening for you. Like, fucking what? Yeah. 
There's connections. Like, I realize not everybody has a VCR in 1983, right. but there was a way to see this movie yes. before you were in its sequel. But apparently they were uh, they did not work very well together. There was apparently one point where Anthony Perkins like demanded that she be recast oh. like halfway through the movie because yeah. of, of stuff like what I was just talking about. But on screen, yeah, their chemistry is tell. very believable. Yeah. Like I, I think that they're really great. She seems like somebody who is either very sympathetic and understanding of him or like a um cool i want to be your buddy and kill people with you true crime fanatic person like you can watch your character and i think yeah. it's very believable either way their chemistry is fantastic yeah i think so too that's it's wild to find out they didn't exactly get along because they on screen yeah. it fucking it it pops i mean i think that she and, and you know, like she's having to do all the work necessarily in most of the the scenes as far as like establishing whether or not there is a connection because he is so spacey at times. Like he's just kind of staring off and remembering his trauma and stuff. So, you know, I, I think you know, I, I obviously get that she brought a ton to the performance. So I, I I would think that i would just you i can't imagine not being like i should probably see the first one <laughs> i know That's right crazy. like surely she had people in her life like like parents and stuff that were just like oh man this movie was crazy when it came out it well they didn't let her deal. watch tv so i can't imagine Maybe they hadn't yeah. seen it either yeah. yeah you're right crazy man yeah now, with that reveal with the mom at the end, that was also one of those things that I, I could not have seen coming a hundred miles away. No. Where it was just like, oh, mother, you're here. Yep, I'm your mom. Maybe anyway, here's some poison tea. Um, anyway, you know, I think I'd just rather club you over the head with a shovel okay. and just kill you now before the tea even kicks in. Here's my. Here's what I think happens here. I I believe, one, that yes, Norman has been pushed back into old avenues of thinking and stuff but he oh, yeah. he has up to this point d- done nothing even slightly murderous like he is he is maintaining his composure even though he's falling back into believing that his mother is talking to him yeah the one thing he can't resist though is killing his mom so <laughs> that, I gotta have it. Yeah, that that was. I think that's it. Is he's got because he they showed him his, uh, you know, Norma's corpse and it's rotten. He can't save it. But now he's got this uh, this secondary mother figure. So now he can have his mom stuffed up in the attic again. You know, or I love too that we got room. that. Right, we got that flashback earlier of like him. Whenever he did kill his mom, he yeah, poisoned he that 12. tea and stuff. Yeah. Which, in the reflection, in the doorknob or whatever, that's fucking Osgood Perkins, yeah. the director of Black Coat's Daughter. Uh-huh. Yep. That's so great that they put his own actual son in there. Yeah, I think that's cool. Playing the younger version of him, man. Yeah, that is cool. And, and yeah, it, <laughs> it's cool to know that Os Perkins was in this. Um, as I, I love his movies. I, I wonder what that was like as a kid. Like, did he even get to watch it? <laughs> Good question. Good question. I don't They're know. just like, we're gonna, we're just gonna take some pictures right now, <laughs> and. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, man. Moms, you can't just kill one of them. <laughs> it's like a dang old Lay's tater chip. Got to kill them all, like a Pokemon. 
Like a Pokemon, yeah. A Pokemon. They're like a, a, a tater chip and a Pokemon all in one, ain't they? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is what drives him there at the end is that like he he was not driven to kill without the voice of his mother speaking to him, telling him these things. And he needs that sort of avatar so that he can, I guess, awaken the the voice in his head. Yeah, yeah. And that shovel hit is raw. Yeah. That is a fucking ECW yeah. ass the shovel hit for sure. fucking breaks. <laughs> like, that's how oh hard it was. <laughs> it's fucking brutal, man. And I love, too, man, like, after that, it's just like, okay, he's back. And that final shot of him, like, walking out to the front of the house and the, the sky behind him is all, like, backlit purple. Yeah. And there's the mom in the window yeah. and he's just standing there silhouetted. That's a fucking iconic shot. Yeah, it looks great. Yep. Awesome, man. Yeah. I think this is a fucking rad movie, me man. Too. Like it kept it kept me guessing. It kept me guessing about like who is telling the truth here? What is everybody's motives? Like there there were times where I was like, I think that there are characters who are gaslighting characters who are gaslighting Norman. Like <laughs> there was a lot of layers going yeah. on here, and I think it was really honestly about the only way that you could make mm-hmm a sequel to Psycho. Like, I think that this was kind of the only way to do it. Like, I I enjoy, even though I've not read the book, I enjoy the idea that I heard for book number two in the series where it was just like, Norman breaks out of the mental institution because he's going after the people that are making a movie about his life. Yeah. Essentially, that is the story of (laughs) Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Right. (laughs) Which I would totally watch that. Sure. Uh, yeah. I enjoy how like meta that was getting. That would have been cool, but I like the avenue that this movie took where it's just like, okay, he is recovered, but he also is conscious of his sins of the past. Yeah. Also, other people are conscious of that and are exploiting that and gaslighting him and taking advantage of it for their own gain. I think this is just a really fucking interesting movie. It kept me guessing. It's not exactly... Like, ultra-engaging, like, edge-of-your-fucking-seat. And no. it is, it does feel like almost two hours of movie. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels like it's length, but that's not terrible. I mean, I, I think it maybe could have been an hour and a half, maybe, but I, I don't know. It, it, as you said, yes, it it's engaging, but n- not... Thrilling. Not thrilling, yeah. Yeah. But still, man, way better than I was expecting. For a movie mm-hmm. that came out 20-something years yeah. after one of the most iconic movies of all time yep. and tries to be a sequel to it, I was I was pleasantly surprised. This is way better than I was anticipating. Yeah. I I mean, I think I, you know, uh, go back and listen to my uh, the Psycho episode when I talked about the, the sequels, but I think these are very underrated. Um, and you know, we'll get to three and, and four eventually, but, uh, I, I think these are very underrated sequels, uh, to doing a great job of transitioning from the original psycho and then three and four doing a good job of being 80 sequels to a franchise, just kind of adding a little bit more to the stories and whatnot. But okay. to, well, I definitely want to check them out. Yeah. I, I, I do recommend them, but yeah, this, this one is, um, this one is the one that I would say ha- had to do the most work to to not fail. And it didn't fail. 
Um, first weekend, it, it came in second to Return of the Jedi. So, it, whoa, it was doing fine. I mean, it's a five million dollar budget, made thirty about thirty five million. So, uh, hmm. you see why there are more sequels for sure. <laughs> no kidding, man. No kidding. You got any other uh, final thoughts and a rating to put on this thing? Um, yeah. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, I, I I really enjoyed. Uh, Anthony Perkins' performance and, and Meg Tilly's performance and, and, and also totally great. Uh, Vera Miles, I think, does a great job of, of making you hate her when you, you know, if you've seen the 1960 one, you would think, oh, I'm instantly going to like Lila Crane. But she's, yeah. she's become vindictive. She's become vengeful and, and she plays it really well. Um, Yeah, I think for me, this is, you know, probably like a, like a seven around there six and a half seven seven and a half somewhere in there i think it's a super good sequel super good like who done it uh early 80s slasher definitely has you know uh d- doesn't ever veer into joking like a lot of 80s slashers do it, it's always true serious but it it, it the performances behind it are good enough to carry that serious tone um mm-hmm. yeah yeah for me I, I think seven's fair word i'm gonna go just barely above you i'm gonna say like seven and a half okay. i was very pleasantly surprised here and, and again i've only watched it the one time yeah maybe if i rewatched it i would be like okay there's no way this could work timeline wise there might be some 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 holes in the armor there that i'm not seeing because i've just seen it the one time but first impressions mean a lot to me, and I, I had a good time watching this, man. Yeah. I think it's a pretty fucking cool movie. Maybe a little bit crazy and unpredictable, but I don't think there's really a better way you could have done no. a sequel to one of the most influential movies of all time. Right. So, yeah. yeah, swung way, way above what I was thinking that it would. So, pleasantly surprised. Cool movie. Awesome. Yeah, man. And we're going to be checking out another cool movie next week. I'm going to tell you about what it is after I tell you guys to follow us on all social media outlets. We have a link tree page where you can find our, our Twitter, our Instagram, our Facebook group, mm-hmm. everything. It's just link tree dead and lovely. Just <laughs> that is fucking it. type that into a phone and you'll fucking find It'll do the goddamn work for you. Listen, <laughs> if you want to follow us, you will. Okay? It's true. It is it is true. It's not too hard to find us. Are you new here? Have you ever used an internet? God. <laughs> also be sure to uh rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh I would love to see some more Apple Podcast reviews. Yeah. Creeping up in there, man. Us- I've not seen a few in a couple of weeks and I would like to see some more so be sure to go on there it just takes a second rate and review on that as well as spotify as well as supporting us on patreon i'd love for you to do that hell yeah patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely head on over there become a patron on any level you get access to all our patreon exclusive episodes Ooh. and whatnot become a patron do all that and then become a five. patron on a five dollar level and you get to submit a movie to the smoking bowl and then we draw from bowl, the smoking bowl, bowl. bowl. And then we review that movie like we just did with this movie that Thomas Tour submitted. We did it. That could be you. You see how cool this was? That could be you instead you of John. You could be that. Although, I'll tell you, you could never be John. No, no that's offense. true. You can't. No. Don't even try. Actually, you know what? Please do. Try to be better than John. <laughs> try. I dare you. See what happens. I dare you. <laughs> I'd love to see you try, okay? You'll fail. I've met him. 
I know about him. Have you seen how tall he is? He is he is tall. He's a tall man. It's true. He's fucking life size, dude. <laughs> He's full life size. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've tried being as tall as him. Yeah, Haven't it done doesn't it. Doesn't work no matter what. Yeah. And I'm one of the hosts of this fucking show. Wow. So. Yeah. 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 So try it, pal. Be like John Latour. Support us on Patreon and give us your money. Okay. Do it. What I'm saying, and be sure to tune into the show next week. We're gonna be talking about a good old fun '80s time, full of stabbing, full of pawns, full of telekinesis, telekinesis girls. Mm -hmm. What are we talking about? Friday the Thirteenth Part (laughs) Seven. Dude, what is that one? Is that is the that new the blood. is that the the new? Yeah, I was gonna say the new breed. What is that one called? <laughs> the new blood. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, that is a silly movie. It's it bonkers, and I love it. Yeah. It, it's it's gonna be a fun time. So join us. We will be probably just enjoying ourselves talking about a movie. What what already had a, a seemingly a, like unkillable monster in it, and then they were like, you know what, telekinesis. How about a girl with <laughs> Professor X powers? Well, I don't know. That'd be nice. Why not? <laughs> so be sure to check us out next week. We'll be talking about that one. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the show. You guys have been fantastic. We've been dead and lovely. I've been Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. We'll catch you guys next time. You know, a lot of people don't know this about me, but in my spare time, uh, I'm actually kind of a a genealogy nut. I love going through and searching through Mm -hmm. those archives and figuring out, like, you know, some, where some of these people came from. And, of course, you know, you being a former Mormon, I'm sure this is an interest of yours as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I have done a lot of genealogy, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, this week I took on a special project uh, because it seems like one of those dudes is just in my feeds about every day, even though I don't think I've ever listened to a single song of his, uh-huh. is this Machine Gun Kelly, oh. this character. You heard of this guy? Yeah. You're not missing You're not missing anything, I don't think. This is my Jay Leno. You heard of this guy? You heard of this guy? <laughs> But I was checking out his genealogy, and it's actually really fascinating. Um, it goes all the way back to, like, covered wagon times. Oh, yeah? Back to, like, his, I think it's, like, his great, 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 great grandfather, muzzleloader Mike. Oh, you know what? I think I had heard about this, and I do believe they all, like, originated from, like, bow and arrow berry. Right? Wow. Oh, yeah. that's like his, his fabled ancestor back from the old country. Yeah, yeah. Huh. This is way before um, uh, Wad and Pellet Walter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slingshot Sam was in there somewhere, for sure. <laughs> Do you think if you trace it back far enough, it goes all the way back to like biblical times to like Jawbone Joey? Jawbone Joey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was just gangly as fuck, but married to a gorgeous woman. <laughs> Fascinating, this genealogy, isn't it? Yeah, you did. <laughs>